story, great things he hath done. I'm thankful for all the things that he's done in my life, and uh, thankful most of all for him dying on the cross for our sins and rising again the, the third day to offer us eternal life. Well, I'm also thankful for his word, and so we're going to go ahead and turn in there uh, today to Mark chapter number 7, Mark chapter 7, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to finish Mark chapter 7 today, and then we'll be in Mark chapter 8, and there's 16 chapters in Mark, so we're almost halfway point. So we're getting there, uh, but uh, Mark chapter 7 And uh, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able to do so, Uh, Mark chapter 7, out of reverence and respect for the reading of God's Word is why we stand, Uh, Mark chapter number 7, and we'll read verses 31 down through verse number 37. Mark 7, 31, the Bible says, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, He came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more. A great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And let's pray together. Father, thank you again for a great service thus far. And now, Lord, as we uh, turn our attention to your word and to what you have done, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to have open hearts uh, to all that you have for us today and help us to have a willingness uh, to not just be good hearers, but then to be good doers of what we hear. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we are currently making our way through the Gospel of Mark in this series called The Serving Savior, and we're uh, looking at how Jesus, uh, the, the whole concept behind this is, goes back to our theme for the year, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and I thought what better way to keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord than to go through the life of Christ as recorded in one of the Gospels. We picked Mark because it was the shortest of the bunch. And uh, so we could get through it uh, a little bit sooner than if we would go through, say, Luke. Uh, Luke was a little more long-winded, but uh, Mark was a little more brief. And so we're going through uh, the Gospel of Mark, and and, uh, Mark really points to the fact uh, that Jesus came to serve, and and, uh, he was the serving Savior. And we see that even in the passage we just read. Um, Last Sunday, we also saw how uh, Jesus entered into a Gentile area uh, to help a Syrophoenician mother's daughter. Uh, In uh, verse number number 25, it says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came down and fell at his feet. Uh, we, We saw at that moment in that passage how she humbly came to the Lord seeking for his help for a problem that only he could fix. 
And we saw her faith in believing the Lord's assessment of her. And she believed that she all she needed was just a little crumb, a little morsel of His grace, and a miracle working power would take place. And the Lord was delighted with her faith and provided the miracle with His spoken word. Didn't even have to go to the house to cast the devil out, to cast this uh, unclean spirit out of his daughter. He did it from afar uh, because his word is just that powerful. And uh, we looked at that last week, and we uh, looked at us as well, and, and uh, I hope that that was an encouragement and a blessing. Well, in our text today, Jesus leaves the coast of Tyre and Sidon and heads to Decapolis. Now, the last time he was in this area was actually in Mark chapter number 5, so just two chapters before. And uh, if you'll recall, when Jesus healed the maniac, the maniac of Gadara, and uh, turned that maniac and made him a missionary, if you recall that uh, particular uh, passage. And you remember what the people of that area wanted to do to, or Jesus to do after Jesus healed this man and cast all the legion of devils out of this man? And remember all that bacon went into the sea? Uh, very sad day. Um, but uh, what did the people want to do as they saw this man who had been uh, cutting himself and he lived among the dead and uh, he, uh, he was now sitting in his right mind. He was clothed and sitting with the Lord Jesus and in his right mind. They were scared. They wanted Jesus to get out of Dodge. They said, you get out of here. Well, that was the last time that uh, Jesus entered into, or Jesus was in this area, this region. Uh, now that he is back, the people seem to be very thankful for him being back. In uh, verse number 31, he uh, comes into the coast of Decapolis, and in verse number 32, they're bringing someone to Jesus to get his help. Uh, obviously, they know that Jesus is back, and they know that he is the one that healed the maniac way back in chapter number 5, and they're hoping that, hey, maybe now they can heal uh, my friend, and they brought uh, this guy unto the Lord Jesus. Uh, this also goes to show the fact that the man healed in Mark chapter number 5 was indeed an effective missionary as he was left there. He wanted to follow Jesus, and he said, no, you need to stay here. And so uh, he did, and he began to spread abroad what the Lord had done in his life. And so now as Jesus comes back, the ground is fertile. The ground is ready for the Lord Jesus to do another work because this man was faithful in the calling that he had as a missionary. The question for all of us is, how faithful are we as missionaries uh, to spread abroad the message that Jesus has uh, healed us, spiritually speaking, and uh, is the Lord uh, using us to be faithful witnesses uh, where we are? Uh, I hope the answer is yes. Well, in our passage today, we're going to see a man who could not hear nor talk and yet was miraculously healed by the Lord Jesus. By the way, um, a little side note here. Uh, this was a miracle that only Mark mentions. None of the other gospel writers uh, mention it. Only Mark does. Uh, but instead of wanting Jesus to leave at the end of this miracle, instead, uh, the people declare that Jesus hath done all things well. And that's the title of the message this morning. He hath done all things well. So let's look this morning at the details of this wonderful and miraculous encounter that caused people to proclaim boldly that Jesus doeth all things well. Let's look first 
uh, this morning at the condition of the man, the condition of the man. In verse number 32, as Jesus makes his way back to Decapolis, um, what does he find? Well, he finds in verse 32 uh, some people bringing a man to him that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And uh, they were beseeching him to put his hand upon him. And so they bring this man who could not hear and could not speak very well. Uh, those who um, have been deaf uh, have usually a challenging time articulating words the same way hearing people do. Because as we are learning to speak, uh, part of what helps us to communicate is us hearing our own selves uh, form the words. And so uh, this man did not have the ability to hear, and he did not have the ability to speak very well. He had an impediment in his speech. I see here he had a disability. And uh, sometimes the Lord has allowed people to be born with disabilities. Um, and uh, before we, uh, for instance, uh, my best friend growing up, um, we were best friends from the time, I think, from fourth grade all the way until, uh, and we were, we're still friends, uh, but I mean, we were close until, the, until we graduated from college together. And then my path kind of took me uh, in a different area than his did. And, uh, but, but all that time, uh, my, my best friend, Nathan, uh, he, he was born with uh, a mild case of cerebral palsy. And uh, he, had, he had a limp to him. Um, his, one of his hands was a little, uh, you know, he, he, he kind of held his hand a little bit like this. And, uh, and, and people noticed. And, you know, I, I grew up with him. And so, you know how kids are. We went to public school. They, they made fun of him. I remember uh, when I was on the freshman football team, uh, I, I just started that and and uh, there were still some openings, and so I encouraged my friend Nate to go and try out, because he and I, we would have epic ba ba uh, backyard football games, and he was always the quarterback, I was always the receiver, and we would have these, you know, epic games. We would make all, we had a playbook, I mean, it was pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and and he, he and I just had this chemistry, you know, this connection uh, on, the, uh, in the, on the backyard football field, you know. And uh, so I thought, hey, you know, you could come and try out. And so he did. He showed up, and he, he tried, and he had to run. He is not the fastest runner because of his disability. And, and people made fun of him, called him Grandpa, and it was so sad. And uh, I was his friend and tried to, you know, help him along. And, and uh, I, I, I know what it's like to, to be around somebody who has a disability. Now, before we start kind of saying, oh, those people with disabilities, the truth of the matter is uh, all of us have a very severe disability. Spiritually speaking, all of us do. And here's the disability that all of us have. There's not a person in here who has the ability to get to heaven on their own. We're all, we all have a dis spiritual disability, and it's called sin. 
And so as this man uh, comes to Jesus, he has a disability, and, and can you not see yourself in this situation because you are unable to fix this situation on your own, just like he was unable to fix his disability on his own. Um, he, he was not able to hear. Um, my wife has the ability to hear, but when she was younger, uh, one of her neighbor friends uh, was deaf. And so my wife, in order to be a friend to her neighbor friend, learned sign language. And uh, so she uh, learned that to try to communicate and try to be a blessing to uh, this, this friend. Um, now here's, here's also the thing that uh, is interesting about this man as we consider his condition. In verse number 32, he had to have somebody bring him unto Jesus. He was dependent upon others to help him get to where he needed to go. And uh, certainly, uh, we uh, are not completely independent. We, we need one another. And, uh, and this man uh, had a difficult condition, to be sure. Uh, he had a life of despair. I mean, he probably lost out on all kinds of opportunities because of his physical uh, disability. And uh, it was a pretty sad condition. But let's look, notice not only the condition of the man, let's look at the concern of his friends. Verse number 32 here, we see that they bring him unto him, one uh, that was deaf. So they brought, there was a group of friends that brought this, this man that had this condition to the Lord Jesus. They cared enough to bring this man to Jesus. They also cared enough to beseech Jesus on behalf of this man. At the end of the verse, it says this, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. So they cared enough to bring this man to Jesus, and then they cared enough to, to talk to the Lord Jesus on his behalf and say, hey, Lord Jesus, would you please fix him? Would you please uh, uh, you know, heal him up from this uh, ailment that he's got? And they cared enough to bring this man to Jesus. And they cared enough to beseech Jesus on his behalf. As I think about that, I think, you know, do I care enough about the people around me? Do I care enough about them to bring them to Jesus? Do I care enough to beseech the Lord on their behalf? I hope the answer is yes. As I think about our community, we are surrounded by, I realize I was thinking about this this morning as I was walking and praying, and I was like, you know, I, I realize, Lord, you've placed us here in the Bible Belt of America. I get that. But that does not mean that there are people out there that do not have hurts and who need the Lord. There's absolutely a lot of people in this area who need the Lord and who need a good, uh, they need a good godly church in their life. Um, and as I think about our community, I, I really don't want anybody in our community to say what the psalmist said in Psalm 142 and verse number 4. Psalm 142 verse 4 says, I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. And then the psalmist sadly says, no man cared for my soul. May the, may the Lord help us as a church to be 
to have a heart of concern and compassion and care for our community, not just physically, but, but spiritually most of all, that nobody in our community would be able to say that. Certainly nobody in our individual lives would say that. No one cared for my soul. They didn't ever tell me about the truth. They never told me how to get to heaven. There was a great concern that his friends had for him, and they were willing to go to great lengths to try to take care of him. So they cared enough to bring this man to Jesus, and they cared enough to pray and to bring the request to Jesus. D.L. Moody, uh, most of us have heard his name. He was a great preacher of yesteryear. He told the story of his conversion, of his conversion, how he got saved this way. He said, when I was in Boston, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day I recollect my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop I was at work in and put his hand on my shoulder and talked to me about Christ and my soul. I had not felt that I had had a soul until then. I said to myself, this is a very strange thing. Here is a man who never saw me till lately, and he is weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear about them ever. But I understand it now, and know what it is to have a passion for men's souls and to weep over their sins. He says, I don't remember what exactly he said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder tonight. Because somebody had concern. Somebody cared for this man. The concern and tears of a godly teacher resulted in the conversion of a man who saw a million souls saved in his evangelistic campaigns. So what I'm saying this morning is we need to get our eyes off of our own problems. I realize we have our own and I don't know how to minimize them this morning. But sometimes we need to get our eyes off of our own little lives and hear the words of Christ when he said, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Next week is Missions Emphasis Sunday. Uh, do we care enough about the soul? I, I appreciate America, and I know today is we're, we're, we're celebrating our veterans. But, but look, there's, there's people in other countries who need the gospel, who have the same disability that all of us have the disability to get to heaven on our own. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to have the same concern that this man's friend had and do what we can to bring them to Jesus and to pray and to beseech the Lord on their behalf? Are we willing to do that? May the Lord help us have concern for our friends and for those around us like this man's friend did. So we see the concern of his friends. But number three, let's look here at this one. I love this thought here, the cure for his problem. Verse number 33, and he, who is he there? That's the Lord Jesus himself, the Lord of glory, the Son of God. And he took him aside from the multitude put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up into heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spake plain. Uh, here was the cure for his great problem. 
A couple aspects that I want to point out here is, first of all, it was personal. It was personal. In verse 33, the Bible says, Jesus took him aside from the multitude. It was almost like, hey, let's, let's get away from the crowd. I want to have just some special one-on-one time with you. Because as the Lord deals with us, that is how he deals with us. Not just y'all. Okay, it's one-on-one. Eric. By the way, he knows everything about us, doesn't he? And he cares about us individually and personally. He knows how many hairs are on her head. In my case, it's actually getting pretty easy. <laughs> You've got to be good at subtraction. <laughs> um, but he knows everything about us. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses, our likes, our dislikes. Why does he know everything about us? Because he made us. And because he's God and he knows all things. Uh, and so we see the fact that this was a personal a cure because Jesus wanted to deal with him uh, privately. And so he pulls him away from the multitude. But, uh, but we also see it was personal in, in the unique manner Jesus dealt with him. Not only did he pull him aside, but the things that he does here in verse 33 is unique. In other words, never again does he do it exactly the same way in healing somebody else. In verse 33, it says, he put his fingers into his ears. Again, he could have talked to this man, but he wouldn't have heard him. So he put his fingers in his ears. I was going to have Luke come up here and help me with this, but then I didn't really want to put my fingers in his ears. <laughs> and he's like, smart move, Dad. Because um, then I'd have to wash them afterwards. and you know. Um, but he put his fingers in the ears of this man, and then... Here's what he does. He's put his fingers into he put his fingers in his ears and then he spit and touched his tongue. So he probably went like this, like pointing to his like I'm going to I'm going to heal your ears. I'm going to open your ears. And then the Bible says he spit. That holy saliva on his hands and then touched the tongue of that man with the holy pure Spittle of the Lord Jesus. Wow. A unique way. He never did it exactly the same way. We see him as he heals. He heals. Sometimes he spits in the clay and makes, you know, some mud and puts it on the eyes. Sometimes he just touches the eyes. Sometimes he doesn't need to do anything. He just says the words and they're healed. See, the, the point is this morning is, look, he deals with each of us differently. Now, we are all saved the exact same way. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. All right? But the circumstances that he uses to bring us to that point are all different. Some of you were saved in a church service. How many of you were saved in a church service? Oh, a lot of hands. How many were saved at home? See? How many were saved somewhere else that I didn't mention? Okay. Uh, I've known people who were saved while they were driving. I've known people who were saved in a restaurant. I've known people who were saved in all different areas. And look, the thing is, God deals with each and every one of us a little bit differently because 
uh, we're all unique, and we see the personal cure here. It's the same cure for all of us, though, by the way. There's only one way that we could be saved, and it's not uh, by being a part of a church. It's not uh, by doing good things. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can be saved. Okay? But it was personal, but then I see it was powerful. Because as he does all this, and, and then in verse 34, this is interesting. Look at the details here that Mark records. Looking up to heaven, so as he is, is doing all of this, Jesus glances up to heaven. And then the Bible says he sighed. You say, what does that mean? I don't really totally understand. I don't know all the reasons why he sighed. I read some commentaries, and, and they gave some different thoughts. I don't know if there was anybody who agreed with the other, um, but he sighed. But I like what this says here. And saith unto him, this is Aramaic, ephatha, that is, be opened. And then notice here how Mark uses one of his favorite coin phrases here is his favorite words in verse 35 straightway the word straightway of course is remember means immediately like right away straightway and straightway his ears were open and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain so as soon as the lord uh, said be opened immediately it happened it was powerful and that goes to show us that his word is very powerful. His word was enough. He said it was so, and it was so. Just like when in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, when God said, let there be light, there was light. When God said uh, all the different aspects of, of creation, he spoke it into being, and it was so. And now here he tells this man, uh, Again, this man can't hear, but he said, be opened uh, to his ears and to his tongue, and they immediately were opened because his word was enough. Friend, can I just remind us this morning that as the Lord says to us, for those who have placed our faith in him, there may be days that you don't feel like, man, I'm, I don't really feel like I'm saved. I don't really feel like I'm close to God. Look, if you have placed your faith in Christ and his word says, if you've done that, then you are a part of his family, period. His word is enough. His word said it, that's enough. That settles it. So the cure for this man's problem was the Lord Jesus himself. And guess who the cure for our problem is? Yes, you guessed it. The Lord Jesus himself. You see, we too were in need of healing, spiritual healing. We needed forgiveness of sin. We needed our spiritual ears open so we could effectively preach the gospel to every creature. And praise the Lord, those who have trusted Christ. The moment we are saved, straightway, immediately, the Holy Spirit comes in and resides within. Immediately, straightway, uh, we have a home in heaven. Guaranteed for us, our eternal address changes from hell to heaven straightway because that's what his word says. It was powerful. 
So then I want us to notice not only the cure for his problem, but I want us to notice number four here, the charge of Jesus. The charge of Jesus. In verse number 36, we see this. <coughs> After the miracle was opened, here's what the Lord Jesus charged them. He charged them in verse 36 that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal they published it. So he charged them to keep quiet, and they couldn't help but tell others of what Jesus had done. Now, the truth of the matter is, these people were disobedient to the charge of the Lord Jesus. As good-intentioned as they were, they were still not obeying the word of Christ. Kind of reminds me of King Saul, who had good intentions when he was told to destroy all the Amalekites and instead kept the king and all the, uh, the best uh, animals in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, of course, because I have all the best intentions. Uh, Saul, Samuel comes to Saul and says, you have rebelled against the Lord. Oh, well, but what do you mean? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm using these for the Lord. Yeah, but that's not what the Word of God said to do. The Word of God said to completely and utterly destroy them, and instead you said, uh, no, I know better than God. Now these people said, you know what? I know what you said, but I'm going to... And, and here's what it says here, too. The more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. So the more he charged them, the more they got louder. The louder they got. But wait a minute here. Before we get too critical of these people who were told to be quiet and wouldn't stop talking, how are we doing? They were charged to be silent. But we who are New Testament believers, Jesus has given us a charge too. But it's actually the opposite. It's to boldly share the truth of who He is and what He has done for us. See, here's the deal. The people were charged to be silent here in Mark chapter number 7, and yet they proclaimed His works. We are commanded to tell the world of Him, and instead we keep quiet. Our disobedience to share the truth is no, difference, no different than their disobedience to tell no man. Someone once correctly said, silence is golden, but sometimes it's just plain yellow. And when it comes to sharing the truth, may the Lord grant us the wisdom and boldness to be obedient to share the truth to our neighbors, to share the truth to our co-workers, to our friends at school, teenagers, to our family members this holiday season, to those God puts in our path. See, the charge was for them to be quiet. Don't, don't broadcast this right now. It wasn't the right timing. But we here who live in 2021, it is the right timing to go and publish it the great deal. Uh, may the Lord help us as a church, says they so much the more a great deal they published it. May that be true of us in obedience to the Lord who's called us five different times in the Scriptures, once in each of the Gospels and once in the book of Acts, to go and preach the Gospel to every creature, to uh, be His witnesses both in Jerusalem and unto the uttermost part of the earth. May the Lord help us to get the Gospel out. 
As D.L. Moody walked down a Chicago street one day, we mentioned D.L. Moody a moment ago and how he was saved. But as he was walking down a Chicago street one day, he walked up to a man and asked him if he were a Christian. The fellow raised his fist and angrily exclaimed, You mind your own business. Well, Moody replied, This is my business. Well, then, you must be Moody, the man responded. <laughs> Look, I realize that as we gather together with our family members this holiday season, um, I know it's hard to sometimes witness to them, but friend, we need to have a concern for our family. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. We need to make it our business. They may say, well, it's none of your business. You know what? As a believer, I've been called to go and preach the gospel to every creature. So yes, actually, it is my business. And uh, by the way, it's not just my business because I'm a pastor. It's my business because I'm a Christian, and it's yours as well. And so we see the charge of Jesus. But then number five, I want us to look at the conclusion of the people. In verse number 37 here, the Bible says, And they were beyond measure astonished. And I love, I love Mark and just how he words things here. They were beyond measure astonished. In other words, I guess if we were to put it in modern day, you know, they were blown, their minds were completely blown, you know. They were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. See, as they considered this wonderful miracle and perhaps how Jesus completely and radically changed the maniac back in chapter number 5, I'm sure that was on their minds as well to a point, these people came to the correct conclusion that Jesus doeth all things well. And while those miracles, those two miracles that perhaps were on their mind as they made that statement, <clears throat> they really hadn't seen much at all. Because Jesus continues to heal people. Jesus continued to miraculously feed people with just a little bit of food, which is a little spoil alert for next time. Um, he would then go on to become our sacrifice and substitute on the old rugged cross. Jesus would become our sin and pay the ultimate price that we deserve to pay. And there Jesus would die for our sins and then be buried in a borrowed tomb. But then three days later, Jesus would arise from the dead. Yes, He hath done all things well. May the Lord help us to come to the same conclusion that these people came to that Jesus doeth all things well in our lives also. And notice what he says here, what they say here, he hath done all things well. How many things? All things well. The salvation of my soul, yeah, Jesus doeth all things well. When God heals me from my sickness, yeah, God does all things well. But what about when he doesn't heal and someone ends up dying? He had done all things well. Or what about when God blesses with a promotion and a salary increase? Yeah, it's easy to say that Jesus doeth all things well then. But what about when you get laid off or you have to make a difficult decision with this a mandate that's coming out? Jesus doeth all things well. 
What about when God restores a relationship? Yeah, it's easy to say that Jesus doeth all things well when that happens, but what about when a relationship is not working out still? Jesus doeth all things well. When the church is growing, it's easy to say, Lord, you're doing all things well. But what about when people stop coming? Jesus doeth all things well. All things. What about when the man you voted for is in the White House? Yeah. When the economy is booming? Yeah, it's easy to say Jesus doeth all things well in those times. But what about when the opposite is true? The person you didn't vote for is in the White House and the economy is not booming. And prices are going through the roof. Jesus still doeth all things well. One night in early March of 2020, so this is a little over a year and a half ago, my daughter Faith and I were driving in my silver Ford F-150, driving south on Telephone Road here in Moore, just south of 4th Street. Sadly, I got distracted and didn't notice the car in front of me had actually stopped. They were trying to turn left. By the time I realized it, it was way too late, and I hit the car almost at full speed. Now, obviously, everyone was fine, but both vehicles were totaled. You remember that, Faith? It was not our favorite night of all time. We both were conscious. It wasn't that bad, but uh, I was a little dazed and confused and uh, just surprised me. My phone went flying. I got out of the car and like trying to kind of figure out what's going on. And this was not a fun thing, getting into a car accident. Um, I apologized to my daughter. I said, I'm so sorry, Faith. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then about that time, a lady came from nowhere. <laughs> And uh, she uh, came and talked to Faith, and she said, Hi, Faith. Hi, my name. I'm a nurse. And uh, are you okay? And she began to ask you questions and began to kind of calm Faith down a little bit. And she was a godsend. <clears throat> well, we kind of, the police came. We got everything cleaned up. We went home. I tried to sleep. It's hard because you kept, for those who've been in an accident, you kind of keep replaying it. It keeps playing over and over in your mind as you close your eyes. And it's like, I'd rather just not close my, my eyes. And this was just a year and a half ago, a little over. And uh, I just, it was, it was a rough deal. Um, I think everybody in the other car, they were, they were okay as well. Uh, we end up getting through insurance, uh, another vehicle, and, and life continues. You say, he hath done all things well, and he allowed you to get in that accident? Well, a few months ago, a lady comes into our church, and she's been coming fairly regularly. You know who that lady is? It was that nurse lady who helped Faith that night. He does all things well. 
You say, how could God use an accident like that? I mean, I lost my silver and black F-150. <laughs> Couldn't find another silver and black one after that. Had to settle for a white one. God was able to use it to develop a relationship that I hope is going to be a very lasting relationship with Miss Shirley sitting in the back there. And she's been a blessing and an encouragement since she's been here. See, the Lord's able to make things that don't seem very good to cause good to come from them. Now, I don't know that I'd want to go through another accident to get another person to come to Cornerstone Baptist Church. <laughs> I hope there's other ways to do that. Um, but the Lord is able to make things that we would consider negative, bad, to make good come from them. Um, I mentioned my wife a bit ago and that she learned sign language. That, that girl who was born with that disability caused a neighbor girl, a friend named Julie, to learn sign language. And then guess what ends up happening to Julie? She grows up and she goes into the ministry and in California for many, many years she was the church interpreter for the deaf. See, God was able to use something that took place way back when to cause good to come from it later on. God is able to do all things well. Romans 8, 28, Paul says it this way, and we know. We have this confidence, this assurance that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Jesus doeth all things well. This conclusion was correct. The song we sang a little bit ago in the service, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, was written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. And Mrs. Miss Crosby um, also had a disability. She lost her eyesight when she was a little girl through um, a disease, and the doctors didn't have the right ability at that point to fix the issue or the right timing to do it. So for the rest of her life, she was blind. And this beloved hymn came from the grateful heart of Miss Fanny Crosby after she had received a direct answer to her prayer. Here's the story. One day when she was desperately needing $5. Oh, the days to only need $5. <laughs> um, she only needed $5 and had no idea where she could obtain it. Miss Fanny followed her uh, usual custom and began to pray about the matter. A few minutes later, a stranger appeared at her door with the exact amount of money that she prayed for. And she said, I have no way of counting for this except to believe that God put it into the heart of this good man to bring the money. My first thought was, it is so wonderful the way the Lord leads me. And I immediately wrote the poem uh, to the song that we just sung a little bit ago in the service. The first verse says, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. And then the, 
The little ending of this verse says, For I know, whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know, whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. The blindness, yeah. Had, had she been given sight, who knows if she would have written many of these hymns that we uh, enjoy and love so much in our church today. We don't know. What is God doing in your life? Instead of you getting upset at him, why don't you come to the same conclusion that these people did? You know what? He had done all things well. And I'm going to trust him with what's going on in my life today. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this uh, account here, this wonderful miracle that you did in the life of this man who could not hear nor could he speak. Lord, we're grateful for all the things this passage teaches us, but most of all, Lord, we thank you that you do all things well. Help us to understand that as we go into situations in our life that are less than ideal, help us, Lord, to trust you and to conclude that you do all things well. Lord, we're thankful for the salvation and the cure for our greatest problem of all, our sin. Thank you, Lord, for becoming that cure. And Lord, if there's one here today that has never received that cure, oh, I pray that they would receive it today. And then, Lord, you have charged us as New Testament believers to go and spread that cure to a, a people who desperately need it. Help us to be found faithful in that way. Help us, Lord, to not I disobey you by being silent. Help us to be bold and, and courageous to give the gospel out. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask uh, Miss Pat to play this next song. And as she does, I want to invite you to have a, a time of prayer and decision there in your seat.